I've only got my order. <clears throat> so you'll have to bear with me this morning. I have the lurgy, and um, <laughs> I also didn't fall asleep till 4 a.m., so I'm feeling a little bit sleepy as well, but uh, we'll keep going. I've, um, I've been seeing all over the place um, this year a thought that's been around for a long time, I think, and it says this, want to keep Christ in Christmas Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, forgive the guilty, welcome the unwanted, care for the ill, (laughs) love your enemies, and do unto others as you would have done unto you. It's good, isn't it? About keeping Christ in Christmas. And um, today we're going to be doing our service a little bit differently, um, thinking about how we offer worship and thinking about some of the things that we support as a church together. And the first thing that we're thinking about is how worship is expressed in giving. And we wanted to do this whilst we were all together. Each Sunday we take an offering, not a collection. It's an offering because we offer what we have, what God has asked us to give to him. We offer it. We don't collect money because it's some kind of membership subscription that you have to pay. We give as part of our worship And uh, that's done in all sorts of ways, and we give to all manner of different things, Baptist Missionary Society, Home Mission, Lara Bundock, Snowdrop, Charity, Martin and Ruth Harrison, and all sorts of stuff like that. And many of you probably do lots of other things as well. Many people here sponsor a child with compassion. I won't ask you to put your hands up, but I know that many of you do. Some of you support a mission partner who you know personally, someone that you know that you've had involvement with, you support them. Or we may enjoy packing our shoebox for Operation Christmas Child. Now, this is not about who's done this this year. Who's ever done a shoebox for Operation Christmas Child? Look around you. Wow, that's like a huge amount of people that have at some point done a box for Operation Christmas Child. And some of you will have done it this year as well. And we're going to watch together a video that shows us what it's like for those children to receive the boxes that we send to them. And uh, so I want you to watch this and just have a bit of a... That one needs to be pulled. Martin, it's behind you, the thing we... (laughs) No, it's always going to be the other way, isn't it? Fantastic. So if you've done it this year, I want to think about your box this year, what you put in it, who you did it for. If you didn't do one this year, and you can think back a really long way, think about the one that you did before and what kind of things you put in that box and watch this video as you're thinking about those things. And the joy, and it makes you think, oh yeah, I could put that in, that's a good idea. The colourful sunglasses, I think, win over everything else. (laughs) And uh, those kids are invited, if they want to, to learn about the story of the Bible and the story of Jesus. They don't have to do that. They're invited to do that if they want to. And uh, Operation Christmas Child, along with other agencies, that also do shoeboxes as well to, to do something. And we've given to that as part of our worship. So I'm going to suggest we pray together, and then Matt's going to lead us again as we worship. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the way that we can express our worship in giving, in the money we give and in the time and in our talents.
And we thank you particularly for the shoeboxes that have been sent over many years and for the joy that they bring to many children. We thank you for the way that you have communicated to kids that they matter, that they're special, that they are thought about, that they're valued. And uh, we pray, Lord, for this year, that as the shoeboxes are taken out, Lord, that you would really bless them and encourage them, get them to the right children and make their day so special as a small token of what we are able to give. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's my fault, Martin. Sorry. Um, So this was the Sunday when we were due to have Eddie Lyle with us from Open Doors. And um, he wasn't able to come because uh, two things really. But the main one was that his son, um, Adam, who's in his 20s and who has autism, had a very serious fit. And they've been waiting on tests. And uh, obviously, that's been a very destabilizing experience for him. Um, So I spoke to Eddie on Thursday. And uh, Adam's scan is now on January the 11th. So we could be praying for them over Christmas, um, particularly. But we felt that it was kind of good if we continued to focus on the part of our church, our church family, where it's more difficult to be a follower of Jesus and where Christmas is not as easy to be celebrated as it is for us. And we're going to both watch some stories and pray together as part of our worship this morning. Um, The first one that we're going to watch is Noah's story. And uh, this is a story that was brought into the headlines quite a lot a little while ago because Noah's home was completely bombed and burned out. He lives in Iraq. And um, this is the story of hope. Uh, His story was brought even to our prime minister, and she was given a Bible from one of the churches there that was all burned around the edges as a consequence of the war that was going on. And she has that in her possession now. Um, as Open Doors and others try to remind our government in the midst of all the other things they're dealing with that um, Christians in the Middle East are having a really (coughs) tough time. So this is a story of hope, and it's Noah's story. And let's watch that, please, Martin. Open Doors, and that's the kind of difference that it can make. And that's really exciting, isn't it? And it's an amazing privilege to be actually a little bit, a little part of that story and others like that. Um, Worship is also expressed in adversity, isn't it? People have been looking to God and focusing on him in adversity and difficulty since the beginning of time. Abraham and Isaac, they had tough journeys, but every so often they built an altar and they worshiped God, they looked to him. And David in the Psalms, who was saying quite often, I'm at the bottom of a pit and everything's stacked against me. And then it goes on like that for a little while. And he says, yet I'm going to praise God. I'm going to worship him. And there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who are faced with being thrown into the fiery furnace and enduring a traumatic death said these words of trust and affirmation. We know our God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we will still trust him and I just have a vision of them walking into that fire just worshipping and singing and then this fourth presence was with them the prophet Habakkuk I need my bible here at a time when Israel was facing a devastating onslaught from the Babylonians 
where their livestock had been stolen or slaughtered, where their crops had been eaten or devastated by the scorched earth policy of Babylon, spoke these words of worship. He says this, I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Just amazing words to keep coming back to. That even in the worst adversity and difficulty, he still chooses to look to God and to worship him. And if we move into the New Testament, I'm sure that you're all probably familiar with the story of Paul and Silas in prison, recorded in Acts chapter 16. They are put into jail for preaching the gospel. Before they're thrown into jail, they are stripped and they are flogged. In the prison, their feet were shackled. The cell would likely have been damp and dirty, potentially running with vermin and stinking of urine and excrement. This is no Sunday school cartoon picture that we're talking about here. Paul and Silas have come into Philippi. They're challenging the political structures of their day. They're encouraging people to worship Jesus, to make him Lord of their lives, instead of giving their heart allegiance to Caesar. And it didn't go down too well. Businesses suffered. Families were divided. The political authorities were afraid of a mass uprising among the people and they were determined to stamp out this new movement of little Christs that was springing up everywhere. Behind that, of course, was and is a spiritual power. We know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers of darkness. So when Paul and Silas find themselves thrown in a prison cell... What do they do? Others who'd gone before them had been killed. That could have been the end of the story. Do they grumble and moan? Do they complain about the unjust treatment? No, they don't. They continue to lift up the name of Jesus. And just to make sure that everyone knows, they start singing. They start worshipping together. Just needs two people to be together, by the way. In the face of great adversity, they worship. They wor- their worship is totally genuine and authentic. It is not determined by circumstances. It is determined by Jesus. It is not determined by circumstances. It is determined by Jesus. And that has been the experience of the persecuted and suffering church Through every generation, they have continued to express worship to Jesus, even in the face of great adversity. And it's both a joy and a challenge for us to witness, isn't it? This is our family, sharing in the worship of Jesus in every season and in every circumstance, proclaiming that whatever may be said by leaders, political systems, or culture, Jesus alone is Lord. 
And in a moment, we're going to watch together another video. It's the silent night, Martin, if you want to be organized. Um, and we're going to pray together because we felt that today we wanted to both reflect on some of the things that we have been supporting and involved in over this past year and beyond this year, but also to pray. Um, and so there's going to be a time of open prayer after we've watched the video, and that time of open prayer, however long it goes on for, and, um, and we have shed loads of time. We have shed loads of time to pray this morning. Um, so let's do that. Um, we're going to finish with a prayer that will be spoken by a pastor in Syria. You'll need to watch the screen unless your Arabic's particularly good. <laughs> so I might give you a little warning of that. Um, but a different pastor, his name is Abdallah. He, you see him on the next video. He has asked us to pray around these things. And I think when we're faced with huge circumstances like the stresses in the Middle East. We kind of feel a bit um, impotent. We don't know quite what we should pray. These are the things he asks us to pray. And there's nothing in here that any of us in this room can't pray this morning. And if you can manage only to repeat in prayer what I've just told you, that's entirely fine. You don't have to have a you know, political kind of in-depth knowledge of the Middle East to pray this morning. In fact, it's probably preferable if you don't really. But just if we pray as he's asked. So he says, first of all, I would like the church, this is his first prayer. I would like the church to pray for more servants. We need more servants. There is a harvest, but we need servants. So that's the first thing to pray. Second, I would like to pray for the church to have more influence in the community. There are many believers doing nothing. I find that hardly surprising, really, in the circumstance. But he's saying, can we pray? Can we pray for believers to take their roles, to take their places, and to be influencers in society? Third, we need to train new leaders. We need to create a new generation. In the light of what's happened over these past years, Many people have left Syria. That's hardly surprising, isn't it? Under persecution and warfare, many have left. The generation of leaders have in the main left. So they need to train new ones and pray for a new generation to stand up and to be those who lead and who um, spread the gospel in Syria. Fourth, pray for the children to have new memories. Colors in their thoughts, not images of the war. Any of us who've had the chance of seeing what children paint in the context of war will know that often there's lots of dark colours and blackness. When I had the privilege of being in Jordan, that's what I saw on the walls from those who fled from Iraq. A black person in every picture, guns, black colouring. And then as the children went through the process of trauma, counselling and care, the pictures changed to being full of colour and it amused me that they drew little houses just exactly the same as our children draw little square houses with little windows. None of our houses look like that, but we... And trees and rainbows. You know, that's a, a prayer for the children of Syria, isn't it? Fifth, he says, there are many needs in Syria. We need the church and other organizations to support Syria. And sixth, I want Christians to stay in Syria and not leave. So we need to pray for uh, just a small dollop of courage and boldness, don't we? And protection. And then this is what he says. And for myself, the one thing I always ask is wisdom 
in every matter and every decision that I take. For the sake of the church, I don't need good wishes. I need wisdom. So, servants, influence, new leaders, the children, the needs in Syria, Christians to stay there, and wisdom. Have you got one of those things that you've grabbed hold of? Don't need to remember all of them. And we're going to watch this video of the music of Silent Night. It sounds a little bit different. It's capturing something of the experience and the trauma of what it's like to be a follower of Jesus in Syria. And so we'll watch this. And then, as I say, we will have time for prayer this morning um, in our worship together. Thanks, Martin. Please take your seats. Just in these final few moments, I've talked about worship expressed in giving and worship expressed in adversity. And I just want to talk a little bit about worship expressed in serving. Serving and giving kind of go together really, don't they? But in the early church, the worship of Jesus resulted in serving the community of the church who were in need and in doing good and in helping the poor. In Acts chapter 6, when they realized that people were suffering within the church, the widows and the poor, they appointed deacons so that that didn't happen anymore. So people were well cared for. And in Acts chapter 9, there's a story about someone called Tabitha or Dorcas who just went around doing good and helping the poor. And I wish we knew more about her than that because that's all we know. In fact, one of the Greek words for worship can as well be translated service. We give all that we are and all we have to honour and glorify Jesus. Maybe it's the songs we sing, the hands we raise in worship and use to tend the sick or serve out meals. It's our time devoted to time with the Lord or time used for kingdom purposes. Our gifts given as we worship together or used to honour God in the way we care for one another. It's from our gathered worship our time spent together in prayer and song and around God's word, that we have been compelled by the message of the gospel to go and serve, isn't it? To go and express the love of God in our community and beyond it. And our worship is expressed in serving through Lunch Club 20 years. 20 years a team have been serving meals every Wednesday lunchtime to people who just need to feel that they matter and that they belong and perhaps that they have a chance to eat together with other people. Messy Hands is around 10 years now. It's now three sessions of serving, loving people, making them feel valued. Every child, every carer, every grandparent, every childminder who walks in the door and is offered a decent cup of coffee, a nice biscuit and someone to listen and toys laid out so carefully, because toys laid out carefully says, you matter, you matter. It's worship expressed in service. Of course, through our food bank, and uh, the statisticians have told me that we have increased our giving out of food parcels by 30% this year. I mean, it's devastating really, isn't it? But you know, that's our worship expressed in the way that we serve, 
in the way that we make someone's day completely revolutionary different. We maybe even make their lives different by generosity and kindness and service. And Cap, you hear lots of amazing stories from Ruth. We're going to hear another in the video in a moment. And Job Club and just the other weekend at the meal. You know, that was 95 meals that were served. I know I said that last week, but I'm saying it again this week. Because it's outstanding, isn't it? We had the most beautiful letter from Michael Holland to cheer us on, to say, come on, we're in this together. To comment on the fact that our young people not only turned up and served, but served smilingly and with grace. We had a lovely letter from one lady who's connected to the job club. And it basically said this, I never eat with anyone else. I never eat with anyone else. It was such a joy to eat a special meal with other people, to not eat on my own. I never get gifts. I don't know anyone. No one gives me gifts. You gave me a gift. You know, it's just, it seems so small, but it's so huge when our worship is expressed through the way we serve and a well-being cafe where people talk to other people. It's not rocket science, is it? Where people have time to listen to someone else's story. Where our worship comes out in the way that we serve all sorts of small acts of kindness and mercy. Between friends. I mean, we need to serve each other. <laughs> Love each other. Between colleagues, maybe you'll be the person that makes a huge difference to someone this year at work. You may not even ever know. Between strangers. Acts of service because we love Jesus that open the doors for other people to experience his love for them. And we could have done our own video, but we were slightly busy, weren't we, Matt? So we're going to watch the Cap Christmas hamper video and you may need your tissues for this one. The rabbit is especially lovely. <laughs> <laughs> 